yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Big Tech Podcast, brought to you by Sky Broadband. Get the power to do more with Sky's best ever Wi-Fi, with lightning fast speeds rolling out to a million homes. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackley, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week we're going to talk to a guy who can literally sell air because that he has actually joined uh, a company uh, that specialises in clean air. But before we come to Kieran Hannan, a big shout out to Sky Broadband for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to Sky. Kieran, welcome to the podcast. Lovely, Adrian. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. You are sitting on the west coast of the USA, the envy of about 62% of everybody in this country, because you can basically move around, right? Um, true. We can move around. You're absolutely right. There's even talk about partially reopening stadiums, entertainment areas. Stop, water parks. stop, stop. I don't want to hear it. I, I know there's talk, it. there's talk. But by the same point, look, we're all in the same boat. You know, I think the vaccine is is a big next step. A lot, there's a lot of people waiting for the vaccine. People are moving around a little bit. We, fortunately, we are. It's an outdoor part of yeah. the world, so we got beaches and stuff. So you can <sighs> kind of still stay socially distant. See, we have beaches. As, we have beaches as well. I mean, I, I'm I, familiar. What's up with what's up with this swimming in the winter in Ireland? What is up? <laughs> well, with you're, this you're asking the wrong guy here. I, I don't it get crazy. it. Um, I, it I, is crazy. A lot of people who are passionate. Uh, about it. And I read one very persuasive account, actually from Jessie Buckley, the Irish actress who's in Fargo season four and a load of things uh, at the moment. And she said that it happened when they had a lull in their filming and loads of the crew members were going in and she just started to go in and now she goes in um, uh, every day. I, I still don't get it. Um, I know, it's amazing. And, and don't get me wrong, I think it's wonderful. Kudos to them. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, but, kudos you know, to them. But sometimes I walk yeah. down in Dollymount and uh, with the dog and I see them going in, going out and Really? I'm not 100% sure if all of them are feeling the joys when they come out. They're kind of a shade of purple. Uh, but anyway, I believe them when I, they say it. I think I think it's a mediation thing. I think it's helping them mediate or do something, reset the, <laughs> Tell them the to do something. in some way. I know, but, yeah. but for it, do some. I was a lifeguard and I wouldn't even get in the summer, never mind the winter. <laughs> You're a lifeguard in the <laughs> yeah, States? Yeah, in the hole in the wall. Hole in the hole in the wall. That's my yeah, favorite yeah. beach in Dublin. And it's actually still yeah. a secret. Some, every 
late May, June. Listeners, I promise we will get to the tech in a minute. Every late May, June, I go up there and I take sunset photos because there's a particular time of the year when the sun sets right over the body of the water because the, the, oh, the, the beach is kind of a crescent shots. shape. And it's I've a particular sort of an effect and it's the best place in Ireland to take a, a yeah. sunset pic. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, speaking of pictures real quickly, that's where I saved my money as a lifeguard in the summer to buy my first camera on Olympus OM2. <laughs> and I mean, that's that that part of Dublin is just beautiful. I know exactly sunsets you're talking about. So. Yeah. A lot anyway, of people still don't know that beach. Anyway, we shouldn't really be talking about it because the first rule no, of holding no. ball beach uh, is you don't talk. It's closed. It's closed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so you've just moved into a position, Chief Marketing Officer of uh, Well Air. I mean, it's an it's a kind of an interesting concept, the clean air uh, concept. Now, from Well Air's uh, uh, perspective, it's you're talking about medical grade stuff. You're talking about uh, professional use uh, through brands like Novaris um, and the like. Um, I, I'm used to dealing with a lot of brands like Dyson who sell stuff for the home to clean up uh, your air. But uh, why why are you joining the company now? Great question. Well, thank you. Um, look, um, clean air is one of those last frontiers that people really uh, didn't fully understand, particularly indoor air. Indoor air, it's it's you know 90% of us, 90% of us breed indoor air versus outdoor air. 90% of the time you're indoors breeding that air. Mm. And it can be up to 10 times more contaminated than outside air, right? Mm. So you don't know all the pollutants, all, all the things that are 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 in that particular environment, whether it's a, a commercial environment, whether it's a just a regular kind of uh, industrial building with with stuff that's there or whether it's even in the home what kind of stuff i mean it, so, from products from your heating system but like what, what kind of exactly all, all the emissions that come off with your if you're cooking food mm. if you've got paint if you've got old carpet if you've got mold if someone just sneezed whatever it is right it's it's this unseen unknown right surfaces you can kind of understand it's a little more tangible you might see it dirty the air, on the other hand, it's that intangible thing that you just don't see or fully understand. Mm. And the impact on your body, your physical body, your lungs are, are the only internal organs that are exposed, right? And so as you breathe, you live. And so that's so critical. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's just increased awareness around that. So for me, it's a real noble cause, really, to help educate people about the importance of good indoor air quality and what that means. And then, of course, in the medical grade space, the criticality of what it means within surgery rooms, ORs, mm. ICUs, and so forth. I mean, you, you could easily understand the use case there. I, is it that are we becoming a little bit, is this a first world problem? I mean, is this a kind of a sensitive issue that maybe some people have, but a lot of us would just like to guard against in case there's a problem there? Uh, it, it one could say that, but actually the evidence shows uh, the opposite. For instance, you look in the medical community, the, the percent of infections that happen, hospital you know infections that happen in surgery, post surgery, and so forth. If if you're able to you know reduce that by half, you mean the amount of lives that are saved first and foremost. That's the critical part, but also the economic value that you add, the risk mitigation. Here in the United States, if someone does get an infection in the hospital, the insurance companies don't cover it. It's, it now becomes the liability of the hospital. Wow. And you know what day rates are in hospitals over here. Suddenly a hospital's looking at a bed that's, that's been taken up by an individual, a patient that they're now liable for. They're funding it. 
So that bed can now not be, uh, you know, uh, billed to insurance. And it's it just, if you have 20% of your patients getting some kind of infection, mm. what does that mean? So again, that's a very important part. And of course, nowadays, I mean, it's a first world issue. How do you say it's a first world issue if people are dying from the pandemics, right? You know, so I mean, 100%. And I, yeah. this is a good time, I suppose, to be joining a company that's focused on clean air because uh, some of the brands that Well Air um, uh, trades in, I mean, they detect Nova virus, detect bacteria, particles, back, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, it's actually the pathogens, the viruses, the yeah. bacteria, right? And so you think about, and what's really beautiful about this story, in you know, no virus, which is the medical grade uh, technology, plasma technology that we have brand, that was started 10 years ago. And people may not know this, it, the roots are at DCU in Dublin. DCU mm. has probably the highest percent of plasma scientists in the world. Hmm. They have a real plasma specialty there. And that's the roots of Novaris. And the virus has spent, you know, the last 10 years building out a very robust product family. The, the, the FAN 1050, which is the top of the line, just recently received FDA 10, 510K clearance as a class two medical device. Hmm. That means that now that medical grade technology that you want and you have in those environments are also now available in commercial and residential environments. If you're someone who's who's you know, a prone to pulmonary uh, rheumatology or a lung type environment, right? This is a way to keep your environment clean so you can breed and live the way you need to. You've got allergies, asthma, you name it. There's a lot of uh, medical wellness issues mm. uh, start with the lungs. And that's that's the beauty of this type of solution. And some of them aren't that severe. I've personal experiences it kind of it sounds dramatic it's not as dramatic as i'm going to as i'm as, as i'm going to relay the story but i had to sell an apartment the first apartment that i uh, lived in and i bought there was something up with the air in that apartment that wasn't the same in other apartments because i had two other friends who lived yeah. in the same block i lived there for two years and it never went away i used to have just dull thudding headaches anytime i'd, I'd stay in the apartment and then they'd go when I left the apartment, it went, it got to the point where I uh, rang up the architects and the builders and they came around and we had a look at it. And I think what the issue was, there wasn't, it wasn't ventilating because it was a brand new building. There were still gases coming from yeah. the, the building materials, but it was very, that was 1999. It was actually very difficult to pursue or an advance, um, a, an issue like that at that time i ended wow. up having to sell the apartment be because i had to live somewhere else that was yeah. you know 20 years old uh, like like most normal people uh, do um instead um so my own history with this is mm -hmm. i mean it's quite in tune with with what you're talking about and yet at the same time i will d talk to guys in dyson for example and they're coming out with a super duper new um home air cleanser and some of the things they say they're guarding against sound a little bit over the top to me, but that's just me wearing my, you know, sure. pull your britches up, man. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, look, there, there's this, you have to understand what is it that you need. You as a purchaser, as a buyer, need to understand your current situation, what is it that you are dealing with and what you need to protect against, yeah. right? A lot of times though, you're unsure. And the beauty about you know, the products and the, the portfolio that we have with Novaris Plasma Air and our NuvaWave, we've both got a portable solution, we have an induct solution with Plasma Air, and we have a surface solution with NuvaWave. So if you think about the indoor environment, whether it's air or surface, 
we have a solution that works right for you. But back to your question, uh, that apartment that you talked about and, and the smells that you're having, mm. those and that are thrown off by the new construction, right? That's a common thing as well. And some of that are, are related to Vulcan, uh, VOCs. Those are things that some of our solutions, a lot of our solutions actually address as well. Mm. Smells, you know, so you go into long-term care facilities, right? Uh, you've a wide range of things, including, you know, uh, aromas that you may not enjoy. Our solutions solve for that as well, in addition to everything else. Mm. But the beauty of it too is you don't know what's next. And so to be future-proofed as well with technology that can address something those hidden dangers that we don't even know about right now, that's also an important element. So getting the right technology, a plasma-type technology with our non-estrite, that ensures that you can address concerns today, tomorrow, or whatever is on the horizon. And that's the beauty of it as well. Cool. Okay. I mean, you've been in uh, the States now for, what, 30 years, 35 years? 35 years. I came straight after college. I was 21 years up in San Francisco and 14 years now down in Los Angeles. Yeah, you've done a creditable job at keeping about 70% of the Irish accent. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I tell folks here I'm from Alabama just to, you know, <laughs> to mess with, with their head. Normally <laughs> yeah. um, in the States, uh, a lot of times people will ask whether you're, with me anyway, Australian or South African. I get that quite yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, similarly, they, they know they're not quite sure are you, yeah. uh, you know, English or are you Australian? You, they get that because I'm uh, kind of, it's a blend, you know. But I end so. up doing what I can hear a tiny bit of what you're doing as well. And I end up slowing down just a hint um, <laughs> so they'll understand me. Um, oh. And so I'll end up maybe over pronouncing the R's. I will start to use a little bit of a lilt up and down, you know bit like that you're you're so right when i first came here talking so fast and people would be looking at you mm. and then i'd have to repeat it so you're right i i purposely slow down my speech you mm. know what's also amazing when i came over in 1985 walking through the street to san francisco looking up the banks they had these big signs with ira ira and I go oh <laughs> I my know. gosh they're publicly publicly funding yep. the ira supporting the ira it's so funny yeah there's a lot of those <laughs> things i had the chief executive of the one of the biggest um e-scooter rental companies in europe on a few weeks back and we got a good two minutes out of the ride uh, thing because they, all of the scooter companies talk about yeah. you want to go for a ride or yeah, have a ride take it yeah and there's a lot of that kind of stuff um, yeah, and similarly bad language we can use a lot of bad language that they just don't understand or that's not especially bad yeah. over there yeah words like words like wanker for example yeah. are, are not tosser, a tosser yeah <laughs> well, tosser i'd yeah. even throw in feck or shike just to kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know slice a little bit yeah. get around it you get away with sure. it um yeah. But the you, you were with Radio Shack as well for a few years. I was with Radio Shack for a few years. That yeah. must have been interesting yeah. because Radio Shack, I, as a kid going to the States, Radio Shack was the toy shop. 100%. For, you know, it yep. was the, 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 the Americans would say, candy land. You know, you walk in there yeah. and they'd have things like remote control cars, you know, and they'd oh have, uh, yeah. you know, they'd have computers and they'd have Texas Instruments and Commodore 64s and all this kind of stuff. It was just unbelievably exciting. It must have been an interesting period when you were there because that was, was that around the time they were switching to mobile phones or that were they well oh, yeah, into that? Oh yeah, it was, it was. So actually most um, folks may not know, Nokia launched in the US because of Radio Shack. Huh. Outside the carrier uh, stores, Radio Shack sold the single largest number of handsets and mobile plans in the United States. 
And what's also interesting was um, twice a month when someone got their paycheck, they were living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, they would come into Regishack to pay their phone bill twice a month. So you would see cash receipts twice a month be about 80% of the till. It's, it was incredible, right? Yeah. And the profits, the profits that were spun off from mobile phone sales helped Radio Shack, A, stay alive. Because at the time, as you said, Radio Shack was the place to go. There was mm-hmm. no competition all whatsoever. I remember being in Ireland, getting the Radio Shack catalog, and that was my thing I would dream about as a kid. I would go through, remember those thin little pages? Oh, where yeah. Like, uh, phone, phone book pages, yep. you'd go through and you dream. It's phenomenal what you go and 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 I worked in Radio Shack, you know, as as I was VP of of marketing. I would go in and work in the store just to see when people come in, they gesticulate. I need this to go with this, right? Yeah. And you would, and then by process of the other thing that was nice is all the store associates and the store managers they had a lot of longevity of Radio Shack hmm. because the, because of the training and because of each level of certification that they got through their their salary their uh, hourly wage increased. And so there was a lot of retention, huh. a lot of loyalty to the company. That's why they were very, very knowledgeable. You know, yeah. there was that campaign, you know, with Ray Shack, if you know the question, you know the answers. We have questions, you've got answers kind of thing, mm. right? Mm. They could solve it. And that was a big thing. So Ray Shack was, was a phenomenal brand. Of course, what happened, just like all industries, everybody else started to sell the same products, right? The Toys R Us came up. Uh, all the main street stores started to sell the same products. Radio Shack introduced remote control cars. Everyone else carried remote mm. control cars. And of course, e-commerce. So they just didn't keep innovating the way they needed to. Yeah, and then and Best Buy had these giant uh, things and you could go and uh, get kind of anything you wanted there. But I, I, I wonder, it's fascinating to me every time I visit the States to see the, the big box retailers that are still in business, that are slightly fading, yeah. the ones that are uh, resilient and the ones that are um, on the way up. Um I I do wonder though whether physical retail for stuff like tech, some of them have done quite well and and being fairly resilient. Um, but I do wonder in the medium term whether we're starting to see uh, a sort of a gradual decline of physical retail. I wonder. Um, if- yeah, there's so we're we're humans. At the end of the day, we're humans, and we're very tactile. We love to explore, touch. Yeah. You know. So showrooming is going to be very, very important. So, you, so you, I, you like that. You would be a believer in the, the, the narrative that, that is, no, there will, there will definitely always be a, a place for that kind of physical shopping. 100%. Okay. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And you may even see the pendulum swing here a little bit. We've spent so much, all of us collectively globally in an e-com world, mm, right? Mm. And it certainly satisfied certain things, which is great. But just that ex- exploration, that serendipity, that joy that you find something that you weren't even aware of, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's the beauty of these type of things. And so, and also, you know, in some countries, actually going shopping is a form of entertainment. Mm. Yeah. I remember at the time in Puerto Rico, the only place where you could get these types of products was at a Radio Shack. And two of the top 10 stores in the Radio Shack uh, of they had at the time about 7,500 doors. Two of the top 10 were stores in Puerto Rico. They each were doing $10 million a year. I mean, that seems, on one level, that seems completely logical because if you yeah. talk to anybody in Dublin at the moment, uh, in, you know, where they go for kicks, often it's to Lidl because it's the only place yeah. open. You know, you yeah. like that center aisle of all of yeah. those like work kits and sort of, you know, 
11 euro runners and tracksuit tops and like coffee machine. You know, I find myself there almost every weekend, uh, you know, ogling it the same way as I used to, you know, go into radio. So I, I take your point um, yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a balance. I think the pendulum's going to swing quite heavily to that in-store environment, people going to the malls Mm. and celebrating that for a few years. I think you're definitely going to see that. And I think the balance will come back a happy medium. So you'll find people, you know, looking at in-store and ship to home type environments, that type of solution is going to be big. And I think a lot of the kind of commodities and day-to-day kind of consumables, you may still get as an e-com solution but those purchases that that are going to be more impulse style, you're going to want to go out and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, word about the Irish in the States and in Silicon Valley and tech doing yeah. pretty well at the moment. I think, I mean, the Irish seem to do pretty well wherever they go. That's, mm. a, I think, a universal thing. Uh, just the nature of who we are and we get on with everybody. And and I think, you know, um, we're, we're, we're quite... Um, we're quite entrepreneurial. We, we get in there and we get things done and, and we don't kind of get caught up with all the other stuff. So mm-hmm. I think the Irish University well recognized for that. Uh, in the Valley, for sure, I'm down now in Southern California. Uh, we ha- now have an Irish consulate here in Los Angeles, uh, opened a, a two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Uh, Orla Keane is, uh, is the consul general and Barry Gwitten is the vice consul. So having that here now, helping support uh, the, the West Coast Consulate General, which, mm. which covered all the West and why that was such a huge territory. So now we've got uh, a group here that's really helping uh, consolidate, solidify the Irish community here. There's been pockets of different groups. And now it's just great to have this kind of champion that helping bring us together. So absolutely, yeah. there's a, a bunch of Irish entertainment, content, um, music, um, the production side of entertainment and the talent side. Uh, it's it's really gratifying to see, but in the tech world, there's a, a bunch as well, which is really wonderful. Yeah, I mean, anytime I um, we we all know about people like the Collisons, there are lots, but take the yeah. Collisons for example yeah. uh, over here. But it's only when you see them written about and talked about by you know uh, Wall Street Journal, by Chronicle, by an awful lot of people who you would normally you'd really regard as being up there themselves, you realize actually what an impression. You know, some of them have actually made. Oh, hugely. I mean, the Collisons are, uh, you, I admire them immensely just for their vision, foresight, tenacity. And real uh, importantly, they did it themselves in their own way. Sometimes folks like that get influenced mm. by a bunch of others, the hanger-ons, whatever. The Collisons have always done it their own way. It's and kind I've of incredible to the degree yeah. they've managed to do that because I know yeah. what you mean. But even at a very top level, Stripe is now going 10 years, 10 years. Um, it's privately funded. Mm-hmm. Any other company in that kind of a space would have massive pressure on it for a liquidity event, an IPO or, yeah. or something like that. As I would say capital event, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Capital event. Not so seemingly with Stripe. Now, there's every year there, there's article after article. Is this the year that Stripe goes public? Um Every year, uh, John Collison was interviewed. I spoke with him six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and he said exactly the same thing that he is, he's been saying for the last six months. No, we don't feel the pressure and it's not going to happen. But to have that much control over your own destiny yeah. Um, yeah. at their level, you know? It's, 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 and it, that, that is, you know, the definition of a unicorn, right? Right there. I mean, oh, I mean they're, but, they're unicorn, yeah. decacorn, centicorn. Oh. Is that the next one? But, but, but the thing about it is, 
all of their metrics is still pointing in the, in the direction mm. that for that capital event to happen, it, it, they can realize a lot more. And so yeah. that's why they're on the right track, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure. They've got the, the vision and they're delivering and they're continuing to show where the direction's going. And then the rest of the platform that they're building out, that's all the plumbing part, mm. which is very hard to do. That's their defensive mechanism. And yeah. so they've, they've nailed it. You know, kudos to those guys. They're, they're also, finally, they're also the only kind of tech titans, if you like, who've managed to do yeah. it. And let's face it, remain fairly squeaky clean. There's almost no big, massive tech company where yeah. you, where the founders get away with, um, you know, with surviving for eight, 10 years without something attached to their name. Nothing in the Colossus. Nothing, because that's who they are. That's who they are. <laughs> the they good, have, they, the good guys the of tech have just completely cursed them, but they are yeah, the good guys of tech. They, they're absolutely good guys. And they have, they have steadfastly remained that way because they've, they've focused on it mm. and they've just not allowed themselves to be pulled away and get caught up in all the drama. So, yeah. And the other thing that's lovely uh, down here, it started about three years ago, Ireland Week, which was an opportunity, Deirdre and Buzz O'Neill, uh, brought brought to LA because Brit Week was going then with Brexit, Brit Week went away. Uh, these guys had, again, foresight to bring Ireland Week. So now we have an environment to celebrate all things Ireland with the cultural culture, music, mm. arts, entertainment, tech, business, you name it. So there's a platform for that as well. And that's going West Coast. So there's there's lots of great things happening. Very, very Just, I mean, one or two last things. In terms of marketing, you've been at or close to the top of marketing for a couple of uh, decades now. Is there anything you've really noticed in terms of how it's changed? Uh, so I would say, firstly, uh, in the pandemic, all bets are off. Uh, mm. Historically, marketers, when you go into an organization, there are programs that are, are set in stone, sales programs, events, whatever it is, right? And mm. we, we can never, uh, you know, put an ROI on it. And it's just because it had to be done. We've always done it. Now all those bets are off. So what's really happening is the voice of the customer is front and center in everything now a brand is doing. Right. And so that's huge. And so I think the really good marketing leaders are taking advantage of that and building out programs within the organization that's addressing the voice of customer and all the touch points and the solutions needed to do that. And so mm. that for me is it's a very leveling game and it's exciting. Like in, for instance, in the financial services, right? You know, all of these uh, retail environments that banks felt that they needed to have, they wouldn't invest in their, in their digital experiences. That was always third or fourth down the list. Mm. That has now been completely flipped. All the money has gone to the digital experiences and the, the physical is, you know, it's minimal at, at most. And so, you know, people that work in, in regulated industries, they're seeing lots of change because mm. the pandemic has required that. Uh, for instance, in health, uh, in the healthcare, health tech space, e-commerce, here in LA, there's a great company called GoodRx. They're, they're like the Google e-commerce engine of getting best price prescriptions. They've expanded now, and they are a source of information for the ideal doctor for your need, mm. and they're also helping with the vaccine. So these are examples of where they started in a very 
specific way and, and a vertical now they've gone horizontal in delivering the value solution one thing i'd be interested just very quickly on your view is a thing i hear an awful lot from big companies around um, values and branding particularly online yeah. and being in touch with customer branding and i often wonder about this because it strikes me i wonder if there really is a connection there or whether it is possible to muck up your brand online in a damaging way by being a bit of an asshole. And, and uh, what I mean by that is not to be facetious. An awful lot of companies I can think of, big companies, tech companies, non-tech companies, their CEOs or their founders or, them, or, or their senior executives, some of them are controversial. Controversial to the point of alienating quite a lot of people in their online presence. And yet, to the best of my uh, sort of vision, it doesn't seem to affect their business an awful lot. And you could look at any of the social media platforms, a lot of the tech companies. You look at companies like um, Oracle, you look at companies like Salesforce. They have very outspoken, you know, um, founders, leaders, yeah. and they get really bad press sometimes, but it doesn't really um, affect the business. I mean, in Ireland, I can think of a couple of uh, uh, companies uh, like that as well. I'm not going to name them, but I can think of them. Yeah. And, and yeah, their core yeah. business um, is going very strong, despite the fact that they're you know, controversial online and, and alienate right. quite a few people. I, I just wonder where the reality, where the truth is between the narrative that says that you have to be completely in touch with your, you know, uh, sensitive customers' um, concerns uh, and the reality of, uh, you know, your business or your service might be a utility that people are going right. to use anyway and that all publicity sometimes is good publicity. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To some degree, look, there are certainly, you know, founders who are quite vocal out there. And some of them, you know, uh, their 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 mission, their personal mission is also uh, consistent with their company mission. I think a company like Salesforce probably mm. is closer to that. And, and, and people, uh, you know, um, buy into it and, and support it. And again, you know, as Salesforce, they, let, they were a pioneer in the space that they're in, right? Cloud CRM. So uh, they, they have the, the good fortune of being able to do it from a very strong position, right? Mm -hmm. if some of the more challenger brands might have a little difficulty in some aspects of that. But again, they need to be here and they, they do that. I personally have a, have a problem with, you know, where founders are so provocative uh, personally that you have to di diverge the individual from the company and what they're doing at the company. Yeah, and I think that's what some folks are doing. But then they make the decision whether or not they want to support the company. So, look, it's a complete um, um, minefield. Mm. Social media and all the various platforms out there, there's, there's so many, it's just hard to keep up with. There are mistakes made. If they recognize the mistakes, I think forgiveness is allowed. Mm. But I think it's real important that you have a true north and that you remember that your constituents are also your employees, your shareholders, and your customers. That's the critical thing. I think mm. that's you have to abide by those. So keep your core customers and your staff on board, and then and that's that's a major thing. And then um, yeah. the people who may or may not buy your services anywhere anyway, important maybe to keep to keep them board as future customers, but not as important as the first set, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it, it's 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 an interesting dilemma. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've not had to deal with it much. Uh, but as a, if I was with yeah, a brand where that was happening, I would. I'm not um, expecting right. from Mr. Pope or from yourself any radical outbursts in the next no, no, next few months. No. 
Yeah. Now, and, and in Ireland, look, uh, it's tremendous, you know, being part of a company that with the roots in, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's kind of returning home, which is really nice. Uh, you know, as I said, Navarre started there 10 years ago. We've got two amazing distributors, McGrills and Fannin. And, you know, Fannin's on the medical HSC side, McGrills on consumer side and business. Just to see the growth in Ireland and the, and the brand validation we have because the company spent the last 10 years doing all the necessary research in order to prove why the technology, plasma air technology that mm. we have and the nanostrike technology that we have is so effective. And so it's, it's, I'm very proud to be able to do this. Fair play. Well, Kieran Hannan, CMO of Weller, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Tech Show uh, this week. And thank you also to Sky Broadband for sponsoring this podcast today. But for me, Adrian Weckler, tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, that's all we have time for this week. So I'll talk to you at the same time next week. Bye-bye. The Big Tech Podcast, brought to you by Sky Broadband. Get the power to do more with Sky's best ever Wi-Fi with lightning fast speeds rolling out to a million homes.